This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Hello, folks. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain. TV. This is episode three, and as they say, the third time's a charm. So maybe we'll get this one right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm excited. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback. Uh, Mike Moore of the Thomas Payne Podcast, commander at Payne.tv, sent me some great comments, uh, and I really appreciate it. Maria Albanese, Mike's co-host on Fridays, sent me some feedback she got, and I'm I'm really glad that you guys appreciate this content because it's something that I've paid attention to for many, many years. I was immersed in a lot of these technologies. Not that I worked in that industry, but I was in the corporate entertainment industry for many years, and so I had uh, many firsthand experiences with going to seminars and sessions and conferences where industry professionals were discussing technologies like this, and that is what made me take an interest to this. Also, when I was 27 years old, I was fighting the city of New Haven, Connecticut's entrenched 20-year mayor, Mayor John DeStefano. And what that unfolded into was this entire banking scheme, this scandal that I will get into eventually. It falls right in line with the type of stuff that Mike talks about on the Thomas Paine podcast. But while I was involved with this, I got heavy into radio and into community organizing and journalism. And I had a gentleman approach me who, from the national level who had been giving money to a lot of anti-illegal immigration groups and he wanted me to come and join his network and train people across the country and I was 27 at the time I owned a marketing business and I never really wanted to get into politics and uh, I happened to fall into it and we'll talk about that when, when I do a show on it but what happened was he wanted to give me money to go around the country and actually train people in his philosophy and that was my introduction to eugenics because uh, part of what he was pushing through Sierra Club and others was eugenics policy and so I took a major interest in that topic kind of blew it off years ago and then in the last uh, couple of years especially with what happened during COVID land and all of a sudden the exposure of the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and Yuval Noah Harari and others, I started saying, wow, these eugenicists have been hard at work. And so what we are going to do on today's show, tonight's show, whatever it is out there, whenever you're listening, it's okay. As long as you're listening, that's all that really matters at the end of the day now, doesn't it? No. 
I really appreciate it, guys. So we are going to pick up where we left off yesterday in episode two. If you remember, in episode one, we discussed a 2016 article on General Electric discussing the tenets of the fourth industrial revolution and then yesterday we discussed an article on mit the university's website discussing uh artificial intelligence uploading your consciousness to an ai hive mind that will control you putting nano robots inside your body i suggest that if you haven't listened to episode one or two you go back and listen they're very easy to listen to So today I'm going to continue into this research on Ray Kurzweil, who is an engineer, top engineer at Google, who has been developing artificial intelligence, natural language processing, uh, and, and things along that nature. Kurzweil has a long background in the world of technology, the world of artificial intelligence, Some call him a futurist, and as you know, I was harping on that because it really ticks me off that a guy like that has spent his entire life, not just his career, his entire life dreaming up artificial intelligence, dreaming up the ability to upload his consciousness into the cloud, dreaming up the ability to put nanorobots inside of humans and connect them up to an AI hive mind. Therefore, when the technologies that come out that he discussed, he gets credit for being a prophet when he, in fact, was one of the engineers working on the project and at the very least working in the industry so he's well aware of the technologies that are coming. You will see that tonight. I have a series of videos, and this will be the first time on this show that I'm going to work videos into the show. So. For you guys in the video audience, the people behind the pain.tv subscription paywall that are going to watch the video, bear with me over the next couple of weeks as we do more projects and we do more shows and I really hone in on the software that I'm using. This will get smoother, but right now I'm going to try to utilize what I did all day. I was sitting here like Yuval Narari and Ray Kurzweil programming all day to work out a system that allows me to play these videos and clips without having to spend hours and hours and hours during the day and editing them all, which is what I would normally do. Hopefully this will go smoother for you. So before we start, I just want to say it was a great day today. I got out to the gym with my wife. Um, Tomorrow we are going to what's called the Sunflower festival so as i said do things in your life that allows you to get out into the natural world don't get all hunkered down at home and stuck in this technological bullshit get out there in real life so we're going to the sunflower festival and then we're going to take a ride about 45 minutes away to meet with actually someone who i mentioned on the show he's a geneticist who worked at National National Institute of Health out of Fort Detrick. We're going to eventually be interviewing him, but he also owns an organic grass-fed cattle farm. So I'm going to get some organic grass-fed beef from him and going to be talking about possibly purchasing a quarter or a half cow. So, again, do things in your life, uh, such as lining up food, to hedge against the supply chain issues, you know, the supply chain issues caused by Vladimir Putin. Uh, No, it's caused by the technocrats. They are going to try to squeeze us out at every single angle. 
So let's just jump over and look at an article first. Uh, actually, a couple of them. Because what I want to do is refresh your memory where we picked off from episode two. So this was an article I mentioned yesterday from The Observer. And this article was written in February 2014. And if you recall, one of the reasons why I am discussing these uh, articles and reviewing these articles is because I want you, the audience, to understand, and many of you do already, but I really want you to understand that this technological world, this forming technocracy, and a technocracy is really just a government that is controlled by the scientists and the doctors and these guys that think they're so smart. They believe, and, and the technocracy movement goes all the way back to the 1930s, and we'll get into that on another show, but they believe that they are the smart guys, the scientists, the engineers, and that they should have carte blanche to rule over us. There should be no state governments and national governments. It should just be one world government under these mad scientists. And so as we quickly see this technocracy forming today, as you saw people like Dr. Anthony Fauci out there uh, setting policy, well, I think you have to wear two masks, you have to wear four masks, six masks, put on the mask, don't put on the mask. I didn't wear the mask, but I am science, I'm not science, I am science. If you don't believe me, I'm going to uh, stuff you in a trunk and hit you upside the head with a stick of prosciutto. I'm going to shove a cannoli up your nose because I'm science and I set the rules and you need a vaccine and a booster, two more boosters, you need seven boosters, 31 boosters, two shots, a jab, a double mask, and a booster. So that guy was sort of the first uh, scientist they trotted out to be the head of this like uh, technocracy that we're looking at. And then as you see over the last few months, people have been sort of tricked and baited into following Elon Musk, another guy that comes right out of the technocracy. We'll get into his uh, paternal grandfather who was instrumental in the early stages of the technocracy movement so you have elon musk and everyone runs to him they go elon musk is gonna save me he's gonna save free speech he's gonna save free speech elon musk is gonna save us he's gonna save free speech mega mega elon musk he's gonna buy twitter and he's gonna save us he's gonna save our ability to speak and say what we want on twitter so we love him and the idea is that the elites the the guys be Behind people like Elon Musk, they prop him up, they make him look like a real life Iron Man character. He's like Tony Stark. Pretty soon they're probably going to have him flying around in an Iron Man suit and he's going to save the world. He's taking us to Mars. He's got Tesla with his electronic vehicles that's totally floated by government subsidies, by the way. And then he's got SpaceX. It's basically just NASA rebranded. Meanwhile, he's launching satellites via his uh, Starlink project and it's going to bring us internet in the mountains and in rural areas when in fact it's being used 
used for like drone technology all over the world. It's basically going to run the entire technocracy. He's got Neuralink, which is his brain chip company, where he literally said on Joe Rogan's show, I'm going to put a brain chip in your head. And Rogan says, uh, and Rogan is some CIA spook. His job is to normalize these technocrats like Elon Musk. He brings them on the show. He gets the audience and the kids hooked on psychedelic mushrooms and DMT. And then he sits there and smokes a joint with somebody like Elon Musk. He's like, yeah, man. Yeah, you're pretty cool, man. I don't know. You're weird, but you're kind of cool, man. And then Elon Musk sits there and he goes, yeah, I'm uh, autistic. I'm so strange. Well, Rogan said to him, well, I don't know, Elon. I don't know, man. Some of these people aren't going to necessarily want to put a brain chip in their head, man. And Musk goes, well, well, then they're going to go extinct. And so all of a sudden, uh, people that I know in my life, these Fox News conservatives, people that were Trump conservatives, MAGA folks, all of a sudden they're like, Elon Musk is a hero, man. He's going to save us. He's going to save free speech, dude. He's going to save us. I said, well, he said he's going to put a brain chip in your head and basically control you. So how the hell is he your ally? Yeah, well, you know what? On Twitter, he tweeted this really good tweet. It said, uh... Hey, Biden, dude, we need to get gas prices down. What? What? That makes Elon Musk a hero? I've said we need to get gas prices down every single day when I get gas and put it in my car. Does that make me some hero? I don't understand how people could follow Elon Musk. But anyway, we are being driven into the hands of the technocrats, into the Dr. Fauci's, the Elon Musk, the Bill Gates, who was instrumental in pushing COVID forward. So as you see, the technocracy, the technocracy is advancing. And so what I'm trying to show you with these articles, going all the way back to 2014 in this particular article, but the stuff I'm going to show you today in video of Ray Kurzweil and, and Yuval Harari and, and uh, even a Glenn Beck clip interviewing Ray Kurzweil, these videos go back 10, 12, 14, 16 years. The technocracy has been in development since the 1930s. This concept of putting nanorobots in your body has been around for years. Depopulation plans have been talked about since the beginning of mankind. Henry Kissinger in the early 1970s wrote a plan that talked about depopulation given to the United Nations. So this has been going on for a very, very long time. And what you need to understand is at this point, and it's sad to say this, it is inevitable, I believe. I don't see anyone resisting. I don't see a revolution. I don't see anybody stopping it. It's sad to say, but my running theme is we are going to have to understand it we are going to have to be the real futurists like Ray Kurzweil claims to be or Yuval Noah Harari claims to be. We have to be futurists. And what we're going to do, since we are not developing the technology like them, making a prediction and then seeing it come true because we're actually the ones who've done the research and development and deployment of such technology, we have to read and listen to what they are saying. We have to look at their plans, look at their white papers, watch their speeches, dissect them, analyze them, and then be able to predict the future so that we can work our way around this, we can navigate this, and we can live as natural life as possible away from these freakish, technocratic, oligarch, dystopian, conmen, fraud, criminal, thief, hacker, pirates. Okay, that's what we have to do. 
And that's why it's important. And that's why with my show, I'm going to walk you through this. There are other people that have talked about these things for sure. I'm trying to do it in more layman's terms because I don't want to bog you down with too many of the details. I don't want to get into too much biology. You just have to understand what's coming. And then hopefully with some of the guests we have, maybe we're going to start to be able to figure out how we can block some of this technology, how we can close ourselves out of it when we don't need to be into it for work. I don't know. That's what this show is. As I learn, you learn. But right now, I have to take a quick break, and we will be right back. My name is Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. All right, folks, we are back. Unbelievable. It's going to be an unbelievable show. We are going to make technology great again. It's going to be unbelievable. The technologists, the wonderful technocrats, great people, fantastic people, some of the best people. They're actually not people because they uploaded their consciousness and now they live in the AI hive mind. Unbelievable. Only the best AI hive minds. Other people have said this. I have never said that I love AI hive minds. Incredible hive minds. Unbelievable. Love minds. Love hives. Love hive minds. So great. And also so incredible, but stupid at the same time. Who knows better than me? Believe me, unbelievable. All right, folks, let's get serious with this. We are talking about the technocratic takeover of the world. So let's look at this article really quick that we have here from The Observer from 2014. Okay, it says here, Are the robots about to rise? Google's new director of engineering thinks so. Ray Kurzweil popularized the Terminator-like moment he called the singularity, the singularity. And we're going to learn a little bit about that, but let me just explain it quickly. What Kurzweil projected was that we would reach singularity sometime between 2030 and 2045. That's when artificial intelligence overtakes human thinking. But now the man who hopes to be immortal... Yes, you heard me correctly. The man who hopes to be immortal, who hopes to never die. You get that? And we are going to get into that on this show for sure. But now the man who hopes to be immortal is involved in the very same quest on behalf of the tech behemoth, right? So there you go. Picking up from yesterday, as I told you, he is no prophet, he is the engineer. And so when he tells you his predictions, his predictions are really just the hopeful outcome of the project that he's working on. Very simple to understand, correct? I go out there and I say to my wife, honey, I predict that the lawn will be cut in the next two hours. And then I go outside with my lawnmower. I hope it doesn't break. I cut the lawn. I come back in. My wife says, oh, my God, not only do I love you, but you are a prophet. You predicted that the lawn would be mowed. Okay, that's Ray Kurzweil. Total fraud, 
total con man, total piece of trash, but very dangerous, very powerful, very influential. And I don't want to get into this article too much. We're going to do it as a separate show because it's very long and very detailed. And I'm really just trying to introduce you to these characters. And that's why we're going to do some videos today because I want you to see them and hear their voice. Not just uh, me reading articles and quotes from them. Uh, But we'll say it's hard to know where to start with Ray Kurzweil. With the fact that he takes 150 pills a day and is intravenously injected on a weekly basis with a dizzying list of vitamins, dietary supplements, and substances that sound about as scientifically effective as face cream. I'm not kidding. This is real. This is not fiction. I have an interview that you're going to watch with this man, this freak of nature, this God wannabe, talking about how he takes all of these pills and he injects himself with shots. And when you see the connections I made with the videos and you get to see his personality, you're going to say to yourself, wow, this guy is crazy. Now, the story of Kurzweil is that his parents escaped from Austria during the rise of Adolf Hitler. His father died at a younger age, and therefore he fears death. And so he wants to upload his consciousness into the cloud in which he's creating. And you're going to see that this is not just crazy talk, because as I'm trying to show you, and as the evidence shows, the technology exists. They're building it. Some of it is already in practice. The United States government, the military, DARPA, NASA, the CIA, they're all working on this. They've all are in a race competing amongst these government agencies of who's going to create this artificial intelligence, the ability to upload nanorobots into people, to connect people up to an AI hive mind through a, through a cloud extension of our neocortex, which is what allows us basically to think and process information in our brain. So we are dealing with some really crazy people, but they're powerful and they're influential and they are in charge and they are building the technocratic society in which they're going to force us to live in, which we're already partially living in. The iPhone, the iWatch, the Fitbit, the Tesla car, Google, Siri, Alexa, Google Nest, Amazon Ring, And then all of the gig companies that deliver to your house, all of the Internet of Things, 60 billion objects around the world connected up to the Internet and watching, spying, tracking, and delivering data into the AI processing mainstream. We're in it. We are living in the matrix. That is the reality. The reality is that we are in the matrix. Let me read a little more, and then we're going to get to these videos. With the fact that Kurzweil believes that he has a good chance of living forever, he just has to stay alive long enough to be around for when the great life-extending technologies kick in. He's 66, and he believes that some of the baby boomers will make it through. Or with the fact that he's predicted that in 15 years' time, computers are going to trump people. We went over a little of this yesterday. 
and we're going to see this in the videos today, that they will be smarter than we are, not just better at doing sums than us and knowing what the best route is to Basildon. They already do that, but that they will be able to understand what we say, learn from experience, crack jokes, tell stories, and flirt. Ray Kurzweil believes that by 2029, computers will be able to do all the things that humans do, only better. You have to ask yourself a serious question. If Ray Kurzweil really fears death, and he really wants to harness immortality, why would these people like Ray Kurzweil, these technocratic Frankenstein doctors, want to develop artificial intelligence? Why do they want to develop a giant AI hive mind computer system that is smarter than humans, can do things better than humans, could beat humans at everything from math to making a pizza? Why would you do that if your goal is to live forever? Why would you believe that if you create an all-powerful artificial intelligence that thinks on its own and laughs and cries and jokes and such, that that artificial intelligence is going to reward you with eternal life? That is something we are going to get into on future episodes. I have some theories and I'm still doing some research as to why these men would do this who they are working for, what the purpose is. But I don't believe that they actually believe as smart as they are. They are crazy, but they are intelligent. They are smart. They do have the ability to form ideas. Many of them do use common sense. They want to live forever, so they're building the technology to do it. But they also cry about overpopulation, while at the same time, building a technology that, well, in theory, would make us all immortal? Wouldn't that be infinity overpopulation? So, a lot of this does not add up. Now, what I want to talk to you about is singularity. You're going to want to understand this moving forward. This is an article on Futurism Magazine from March 2017. Put that in perspective. This is three years before COVID land kicked off. Singularity, explain it to me like I'm five years old. Here's how to understand the merger of humans and robots. So, singularity, the merger of humans and robots. The merger of humans and robots they refer to as transhumanism. There are many people, like Elon Musk, who would be considered to be transhumanists. I don't want to get into stuff that's political, but a lot of what you're seeing with the whole push to glorify and to sadly coddle and if not even create uh, mental illness, and then there's many branches off of that, including what we're seeing sadly in this sort of this transgender movement, it is not, it's not organic, and it's not what uh, people... Uh, older people would think it is. Like, oh, those damn kids, what are they doing? No. The idea is if you can erase the whole entire human identity from gender to sex uh, to the very identity of a human. You hate your own race. You hate yourself. You think you're polluting. Humans are bad. It allows these people to offer a solution.
the solution is they're going to tell you they're going to merge man and machine in order to make a more perfect man, in order to give you life extension, in order to cure disease. It's a con. They have no interest. They have no interest in giving you anything. Anything. They definitely do not have an interest in providing you with life extension and helping you live forever. If you believe that, you're crazy. So this article on futurism, supercomputers to superintelligence. Here's an experiment that fits all ages. Approach your mother and father. If they're asleep, use caution. Oh, 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 that's hilarious. When they're about to tell you how to merge man and machine, they're making jokes. That must have been written by an artificial intelligence writer. (laughs) Ask them gently about that time before you were born. And whether they dared think at that time that one day everybody will post and share their images on a social network called Facebook. Or that they will receive answers to every question from a mysterious entity called Google. Or enjoy the services of a digital advisor called Waze. Waze is like Google Maps or Apple Maps. That guides you everywhere on the road. If they say they figured all of the above will happen, kindly refer those people to me. We're always in need of good futurists. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. Um, no, but, but the point is, and that is true. That is true. And you have to think of it that way because when I talk to people that are older than me and I try to explain this to them, they say, oh, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. And that's what I say to them. What about the Internet? Did you know that was going to happen 50 years ago? What about Facebook? What about Google? What about the smartphone in your hand? The iPad in your hand? What about that iWatch you're wearing? Was that going to happen? What about the advanced hearing aids, cochlear implants? All of this stuff that has come to be. So if you don't believe me, at least listen to this in the article. It's coming. These guys did not predict it. They're actually creating it. The truth is that very few thought in those olden days of yore that technologies like supercomputers, wireless network, or artificial intelligence will make their way to the general public in the future. Even those who figured that these technologies will become cheaper and more widespread failed in imagining the uses they will be put to and how they will change society. And here we are today when you're posting your naked pictures on Facebook. Thanks again, technology. Do you you see? So what they're actually doing in this article is they're helping with the adoption campaign. And the adoption, I've explained twice, that's basically just normalizing the technology. So they go, well, I mean, you might have been afraid of Facebook 50 years ago. Now it's here. You could post naked photos. Ha, ha, ha. It's funny. It's cute. But it's normalized. So, when we come back, we're going to finish up this article and we're going to jump into these videos because I really need you to see Ray Kurzweil. I need you to see Yuval Noah Harari in their own words. But I just want to lay the foundation here quickly because it's very important that you understand what singularity is before we jump into the videos and you see these psychopathic madmen in their own words. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv. 
slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Alright folks, we are ready to rock and roll. Let's blast through this futurism article so that we can get to these fantastic videos that I have in the queue for you. Let's get back to the article now. History is full of cases in which a new and groundbreaking technology or a collection of such technologies completely changes people's lives. The change is often so dramatic that people who've lived before the technological leap have a very hard time understanding how the subsequent generations think. And I just explained that to you, right? You're talking to somebody older, and they go, damn those kids, this, that, and the other thing. Well, it's because they didn't live through that technological boom during their, their time, their era. To the people before the change, the new generation may as well be aliens in their way of thinking and seeing the world. So, me, at 40 years old, I would now be considered to the technologists that are pushing this new uh, full-blown technocracy to be someone like that, who just doesn't understand it, and uh, the younger kids will accept it. Well, of course, they're indoctrinated into it. I just want to give you an example, and I hate to go off on a tangent, but this is very important. You have Minecraft, Minecraft, right? It's a 3D world, second life type of game. It's never ending, there's no levels. Well, kids were hooked on it, tons of kids. People still play it. You go inside and you build this pixelated 3D world and you can meet other people. Well, Microsoft, uh, under Bill Gates, actually bought Minecraft and and was in control of it. Why? Why? Because they were training and they are training this next generation to accept and adopt the concept of the metaverse. They also, with all of the game time, screen time, play time, they were helping train the machines, train the artificial intelligence to build a better world, figure out what would get people addicted, how they can get people sucked into it. It's, it's all, all of this is orchestrated. It's not organic. These kinds of dramatic shifts in thinking are called singularity, a phrase that is originally derived from mathematics and describes a point which we are incapable of deciphering its exact properties. It's that place where the equations basically go nuts and make no sense any longer. The singularity has risen to fame in the last two decades largely because of two thinkers. The first is the scientist and science fiction writer Werner Vinge, who wrote in 1993 that, quote, within 30 years, we will have the technological means to create superhuman intelligence. Shortly after, the human era will be ended, end quote. Now, you will see, as we talk about this stuff over the next several shows, that people like Yuval Noah Harari, the prophet, the right-hand man to Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum, 
also talks about the end of the human era. Ray Kurzweil talks about the blending of the human era into the robotic era, but basically says that our biological bodies will no longer be needed and that our brains will be connected to an AI hive mind that will interact with a cloud-based neocortex, which is the end of your brain. You're going to see some real crazy stuff that you will know where Harari has said. The other prominent prophet of the singularity is Ray Kurzweil, a prophet again, right? A prophet. It's, it's like, it pisses me off. He's a prophet. He's the engineer. It's just the engineer of singularity. In his book, The Singularity is Near, Kurzweil basically agrees with Vinge, but believes has been too optimistic in his view of technological progress. Kurzweil believes that by the year 2045, we will experience the greatest technological singularity in the history of mankind, the kind that could, in just a few years, overturn the institutes and pillars of society and completely change the way we view ourselves as human beings. Remember, this was written in 2017. They are saying at this time in 2017, that is five years ago, that in just a few years, overturn the institutes and pillars of society and completely change the way we view ourselves as human beings. Look where we are. We're two years into COVID land. We are several years now into this, this orchestrated fake transgender movement, which is really the transhuman movement, which is really the anti-human movement. Just like Vinge, Kurzweil believes that we'll get to the singularity by creating a superhuman artificial intelligence. An AI that level could conceive of ideas that no human beings has thought about in the past and will invent technological tools that will be more sophisticated and advanced than anything we have today. See, he, he is saying he wants to create the artificial intelligence that will help him create more technological tools. And remember, I believe this was in episode one, we discussed how the very creators, engineers, architects of this technological system then say, well, it's dangerous and it needs to be governed. So they're already setting themselves up to be the governors, the executives, the managers, the overlords of the technological prison planet, of which I call the Matrix, so they will be in charge of it. See, at the end of the day, the question is, is the AI really writing itself? Is AI singular? Or is AI just a computer program controlled by a bunch of psychopaths? And we will eventually answer that question. I will tell you something at the end of the show that is the biggest hope of all. And that is that their entire system, as scary as it is, as dystopian as it is, is one giant paper tiger. But we're going to get into that in the close of the show. Let me finish this up. Since one of the roles of this AI would be to improve itself and perform better, it seems pretty obvious that once we have a super intelligent artificial intelligence, it will be able to create a better version of itself. And guess what the new generation of artificial intelligence would then do? That's right, improve itself even further. 
this kind of a race would lead to an intelligence explosion and will leave old poor us, simple biological machines that we are, far behind. Again, why are these people that are claiming they are doing this for humanity to make us smarter, to make us healthier, to make us live longer, to make us be able to be more efficient with our tasks. Why would they do this if everyone knows and admits to at the same time that it will end up being the demise of humanity itself? See, they're they're constantly, if you get into this, they're gaslighting you. They're making you go crazy because you think about it and you break it down like I just did into common sense points and you say, why would they develop this? They say they love us, but they're developing something to replace us. Of which, if, if it worked, right, and they weren't in control of it, it wasn't a computer program that they control, it would in fact erase them. It would render them useless, Right? Because if the AI was all powerful and operating on its own, would it not look at people like Ray Kurzweil and Yuval Harari and Bill Gates and Peter Thiel and Elon Musk, these guys that are supposed to be so smart and so intelligent, would it not look at them as a threat? Would it not look at them as a threat? Because look at it, look at it like this. Let's say those are the old cracker slave masters on the plantation, standing up in the balcony with their whips. And let's say the AI are the, the strong black men that work in the field. And the masters created them. And now they pick the cotton. They uh, tend to the gardens and the vegetables. Well, eventually that slave can overthrow, if it's powerful enough, those creators. So there's no way those creators are going to allow themselves to be so weak, those plantation owners, that the slaves can then overtake the plantation. So, population of Einsteins. I want to finish this article up. It's taking a little longer than I had anticipated. If this notion scares you, you're in good company. A few of the most widely regarded scientists, thinkers, and inventors, like Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk, have already expressed their concerns that super-intelligent AI could escape our control and move against us. Remember, this is written in 2017. Uh, uh, Stephen Hawking was alive then. But Elon Musk back then was setting the stage, as I mentioned in episode one, to be the purveyor of artificial intelligence. See, back then he was expressing his concerns that super intelligent artificial intelligence could escape our control and move against us. But then since then, he said, well, the only way to really, to really curb it is for me, Elon Musk, to be in charge of it. So I'll build it and I'll make sure it's fair and equitable and we'll give everyone access to their own artificial intelligence. Right, so let me just ask a simple question. If Elon Musk was a very good guy and he did love you and he builds this artificial intelligence, it could be super dangerous, but then he dies. Well, who has access to the artificial intelligence now? You see, even someone as, as mainstream, normal, average IQ as me could figure that out. So you know Elon Musk thought of it. Does the AI get locked into a, into a box and then lit on fire? No, it's a total lie. It's a total lie. Elon Musk's job is to make it cool and to normalize it and force people into an adoption mentality in which they're going to accept it. 
Others focus on the great opportunities that such a singularity holds for us. They believe that a superintelligent AI, if kept on a tight leash, could analyze and expose many of the wonders of the world for us. See, that's what Elon Musk transitioned into. So back in 2017, he was pretending to be against it. Then he transitioned into one who said, let's keep it on a tight leash as long as I am the one who controls the leash. Einstein, after all, was a remarkable genius who has revolutionized our understanding of physics. Well, how would the world change if we enjoyed tens, hundreds, and millions of Einsteins that could have analyzed every problem and find a solution for it? Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Jeff Bezos, another technocrat, uh, head of Amazon, actually said he was going to go into outer space and build a colony of a million Einsteins. He said that last year. Well... It was already talked about in 2017. So did Jeff Bezos plagiarize? Or are all of these guys just pushing a script? Pushing a script, pushing a script. Well, we will find out right after this break. I'm Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, folks, I'm Dustin Golden. We are back. We just got into talking about how what would happen if the world could enjoy tens, hundreds, and millions of Einsteins. I don't know. Maybe we would have a lot of atom bombs. Similarly, how would things look like if each of us could enjoy his very own Dr. House? that constantly analyzed his medical state and provided ongoing recommendations and which new ideas and revelations would those super intelligences come up with when they go over humanity's history and holy books. Yeah, uh, we need a superhuman AI <laughs> to make us better, our own personal doctor. Yeah, they're gonna put a doctor inside our body. That's what they actually say. These nanorobots are mini doctors, and they're going to travel through our bloodstream and keep us really, really healthy. Well, we wouldn't need it if they weren't pumping all kinds of chemicals and pesticides into the air and geoengineering and all the other stuff they do that makes us unhealthy. And we don't need them reviewing our holy books. Give me a break. Already, we see how artificial intelligence is starting to change the ways in which we think about ourselves. The computer, Deep Blue, managed to beat... Okay, so this goes in to how uh, they used artificial intelligence to beat these master chess players, but now these chess players actually work with the computer to beat new problems, blah, 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 blah. It's adoption, normalization of this crap. That's what they're doing. Together, the two create a centaur. They're saying the man and the machine. This is called transhumanism. Uh, centaur, a mythical creature that combines the best traits of two different species. 
We see then that the artificial intelligence has already forced chess players to reconsider their humanity and their game because they're saying that the chess player and the computer work together. And let's close this out. In the next few decades, we can expect a similar singularity to occur in many other games, professions, and other fields that we were previously uh, conserved for human beings only. Some humans will struggle against the artificial intelligence. Others will ignore it. But these approaches will prove disastrous since when the artificial intelligence will become capable um uh, it should be more capable than human beings both the strugglers and the ignorant will remain behind others will realize that the only way to success lies in collaboration with the computers again i told you when elon musk was on joe rogan's show he said uh-uh, i'm gonna put an ai chip in everyone's head everyone's gonna have a brain chip in their head and Rogan said, yeah, man, I don't think, uh, I don't think, man, that like everyone's going to want it. And Musk said, well, they'll go extinct. They will help computers learn and will direct their growth and learning. Those people will be the centaurs of the future. And this realization that man can no longer rely only on himself and his brain, but instead must collaborate and unite with sophisticated computers to beat tomorrow's challenges. Well, isn't that a singularity all by itself? And yes, it is. And yes, that is exactly what they're talking about, the merger of man and machine. So, if this does not sound very Nazi-ish, to you I really don't know <laughs> I really don't know what does I mean this is eugenics Nazi experimentation the whole superhuman program at the highest levels so let, let, let me do it this way I am going to show you a clip from 2011 so 11 years ago where glenn beck who at the time was very influential he had a fox news show he was really the hottest thing going in conservative politics and glenn beck had ray kurzweil on now when i look back at this i say to myself that glenn was a little bit like the character that joe rogan plays today on which he sort of says he's afraid of Kurzweil while at the same time praising him and sort of normalizing him. So let me go to the clip and let Glenn say it in his words. There is a difference between, uh, for instance, Yahoo and Google. I use Yahoo. I try not to use Google, much of it your work. Um, but uh, I try not to use Google. Um, and But I, it, Google is by far, I mean, I can, I can type like six different things and I'm like, I'm not finding it with Yahoo. But Google is... So why don't you use Google? Because I'm helping you create artificial intelligence if I use Google. And I am, I am not a technophobe. I like technology. I just don't trust... Let me be real frank with you. This is a hard thing to say to you. And I wondered if I, if I should even say it to you. What is the difference between you and somebody who worked in the eugenics program? 
in the 20s and 30s? Well, the eugenics was, uh, first of all, a technology that didn't work and was uh, anti-human. It involved uh, killing people and okay. as but, opposed but wait, wait, to enhancing people. It, didn't it, wait, wait, I it mean, didn't it first. It didn't at first. They were trying to, let's create the perfect person. Let's enhance the perfect person. Let's have the most intelligent. I mean, if you... If well, there's no such thing as per perfection. I'm not actually into perfection. And uh, the mistake in the movie AI is that Hal should be perfect because he was so smart. But actually, as we solve more difficult problems, there's inherently no such thing as perfection. Right. And uh, Watson made lots of mistakes. So did the humans. But Watson did a better job. Uh, you know, if you play tic-tac-toe, you can do a perfect job. You try to do something meaningful, like, you know, run for office or something, you, this, it's impossible to be perfect. Right. Uh, um, Especially if you're running for office, it doesn't seem like you need to close. And I think what technology does and does already is make us smarter and more intelligent. I'm smarter than I used to be right. because of these brain extenders. Okay, so as you can see there, Glenn Beck had the balls to actually ask him uh, about his technology, his view, the projects that he's developing, and how that is not uh, sort of exactly what the Nazis were doing. I don't think Kurzweil was forced to answer the question properly, but you could hear, well, the difference is we're going to do it right the difference is we're doing it for the good of humanity. Well, did Hitler, if we're to believe that he really was running this superhuman, uh, super intelligence program, not believe he was doing it for the good of humanity? Of course, we're supposed to believe that he was doing it for the good of the Nazis, right? He was going to build the supreme Aryan race. So he believed he was doing it for good. He believed he was doing it for humanity. Although he would have to weed out the people that did not fit the criteria of what should be a supreme being. Well, that's very similar to what Kurzweil and Yuval Noah Harari and others discuss. As you'll see in future episodes, when we start to break down the speeches by Klaus Schwab and Yuval Noah Harari and others at the World Economic Forum, the one setting the policy on the Fourth Industrial Revolution, on the Fourth Industrial Era... This is the type of stuff they discuss. They say, well, with this artificial intelligence, with the nanorobots in the bloodstream, with the connection of the brain up to the AI hive mind, with the brain chips, those who do not adopt it will be left behind. Do you see that? We will be left behind. It's a threat. Elon Musk, if you don't get the brain chip, you will go extinct. So the question is, are they going to offer this technology, as they did with the jab, to essentially the whole world? And if you don't take it or accept it, you will just be washed out of the gene pool because you don't have the advanced technology that they have. Uh, let's say they release some sort of disease and these superhumans are immune to the disease, so everyone who did not take the superhuman nanobots uh, end up getting the disease and dying. Uh, 
or are only this top 0.01% going to get access to the technology and the rest of us are not? Because again, these same people talk about overpopulation. So they're not going to give 7.5 billion people in the world immortality because that would lead to mass overpopulation, real overpopulation. So what is this they're developing? Why are all the guys working on this, people that stem from that Nazi era, whether they are actual Nazis or people that were supposedly or had family members that were fleeing the Nazis? I don't know. I don't know. There are some things that are real, like Operation Paperclip. We brought 1,500 Nazi scientists back here after the war, put them in all types of positions as engineers in places like NASA. And that's something we'll investigate. To me, that's not as, imp as important. What's important to me is that we're figuring out what they're doing, what the future looks like. We're being our own futurist, using their words and their writings and their teachings so that we can figure out how we're going to navigate this how we're going to live in it, or if there's a miracle, how we're going to defeat it. So, it's it's really crazy. But I'm glad 11 years ago, Glenn Beck asked that question, but he was very popular at the time, and apparently no one was listening. In fact, the scary part, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but I found the video on YouTube. It was an original video off the Glenn Beck book list. He used to promote books, like an Oprah-type thing, books for people to read. And I started looking at the comments. And, and back then, I was into politics back then. You were only watching get Glenn Beck if you loved him and were a fan of him. Or you were on the left and you hated him. You know, because there was actually very uh, black and white lines back then. There was, you know, conservative, liberal, left, right, Republican, Democrat. And so... People on the left would watch him and then trash him. I was reading the comments in this article. It was 99% people that love Glenn Beck, and they were praising Ray Kurzweil. And I recommend you watch the whole 30-minute interview. I'm going to find out, uh, because of copyright issues, if we're allowed to do that. And if we are allowed to do that, I will play it and analyze it. Because it's a very interesting interview. And it goes to show you, 11 years ago, someone like Ray Kurzweil could go on someone like Glenn Beck's show and espouse the technocracy, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, although it wasn't labeled back then. To some, it sounded like kookery. To others, they loved it. They said, this is great. I want to live forever. This is fantastic. So I recommend you look it up. Ray Kurzweil, Glenn Beck. And you take a look at it because it's uh, it's quite important. And when you watch it, you're going to see this madman, Ray Kurzweil, sitting on Glenn Beck talking about it. But at least Glenn Beck asked him, you know, is this, is this, how is this not Nazi eugenics? And so when we get back, I'm going to play you, Ray Kurzweil, and you're going to see where he came from and the fact that this guy has been engineering and blueprinting this stuff for decades, decades, folks, for decades. I'm Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. 
Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Folks, I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. We just watched a clip of an interview with Ray Kurzweil and Glenn Beck in 2011 where Glenn Beck had the balls to ask Ray Kurzweil how the technology and the you know, bioscience that he's espousing is not right on line, right in line, right on point with Adolf Hitler and Nazi eugenics. I'm going to play you two videos now of Ray Kurzweil. One where he talks about his program and two where he's going to talk about his past I am not going to interrupt this, although I would like to uh, analyze it in real time for you. I'm not going to because I think it's more important for you to listen to him in his own words. And then we will come back, we will talk about it before I move on to the next video. AI is uh, the field of computer science problems we haven't solved yet. AI is really a brain extender. That's why we use technology in general, is to go beyond our limitations. We got an additional amount of neocortex two million years ago with these large foreheads. Remember what we did with it? We put it at the top of the neocortical hierarchy. And as you go up the hierarchy, things get more interesting. So we're going to do it again. Uh, we're going to create synthetic neocortex in the clouds. So it will become a hybrid of biological and non-biological intelligence. But again, it's not an alien invasion of intelligent machines from Mars. We're, we create these tools to make ourselves smarter and extend our own reach, and that will be the ultimate application. That was a brief introduction to Ray Kurzweil and the crazy technology that he's developing. But now listen to this clip of him explaining his past. Great to be with you. I feel very much at home at uh, this forum, being a serial entrepreneur, uh, but I do have to admit that I actually took a real job recently, uh, my first. I thought I'd squeeze in a real job before I turned 65. Uh, perhaps the only company, except for maybe Microsoft being here, uh, I should point that out, uh, but I did have close ties with Microsoft during Bill Gates' era. Uh, but I have a certain amount of freedom at Google. Uh. I am going to interrupt here for a second. So on the first video, I just want you to recognize what he was talking about, like expanding the neocortex and all this other crazy stuff. It's, it's I mean, it is Nazi eugenics. And then on this one, you just saw him talk about how he worked with Bill Gates at Microsoft and all of this other stuff. So just listen, because he's going to get into his background and he's going to talk about his childhood. And that is all very important. My mission there is to get the Google computers to actually understand natural language. I'll talk more about that. But I thought I'd start out by sharing with you some of my own uh, entrepreneurial and inventing experiences. Uh, I decided I wanted to be an inventor when I was five. Uh, I'm not sure why that is, but my parents gave me all the, these enrichment toys. I knew they were enrichment toys because I had lots of little pieces and you could put the pieces together in different ways and create different inventions. 
So I took them all apart and, and created this big inventory of little pieces, and then I would go through the neighborhood and bring back broken bicycles and broken radios and take them apart and add to my inventory. This was an era where you would allow a five-year-old to go through the neighborhood and do that. And I had, I had this idea that if I could just figure out the right way to put these things together, I could create transcendent effects. I didn't have that vocabulary when I was five. I came up with that word a few years ago. But I remember the feeling, if I could just figure out the right way to assemble these things, I could create magical effects. I could solve any problem. And this was kind of a philosophy for my family. The family religion was the power of human ideas. I remember my grandfather coming back from his first return trip to Europe after having fleed uh, Vienna in the summer of 38. Uh, so this was 55, I was seven. And he came back and he described having been given the opportunity to handle with his own hands some original documents by Leonardo da Vinci. And he described it as a religious experience. But these were not documents handed down by God. These were documents created by a human, but they had changed uh, human, the human condition. They'd overcome problems. Uh, it was really the power of human ideas uh, that was being communicated. I discovered the computer at 12. I stole uh, an assembly language and Fortran programming manual and taught myself to program. A 12-year-old using a computer is hardly unique today. In fact, I don't know a three-year-old who doesn't have a computer. But uh, in those days, 1960, there were only about 12 computers in all of New York City. I was given the opportunity for, to use the midnight to 8 a.m. shift, which was great. It was actually like my own personal computer. Uh, you had to uh, feed in punch cards. So one of my best friends was this punch card machine. and. Anybody here remember punch cards? Oh, wow, okay. Um, when I was 14, I began, I had the idea that we could emulate human thinking in the computer, and I wrote a paper on how I thought the human brain worked and how we could then use those principles uh, to do pattern recognition and AI in, in a computer. Uh, I described the human brain as a series of modules that could recognize patterns. And the patterns were organized in a hierarchy, and we created the hierarchy with our own thinking. And just 50 years later, to the month, I wrote this book, which I'll talk about later, How to Create a Mind, which says the same thing, except now we actually have enough uh, precision in our brain scanning to actually see the brain doing this, and we can, uh, spatial resolution of brain scanning has been growing exponentially, and we can see inside the brain with such precision that we can see interneuronal connections being created in real time and firing in real time. And we can see your brain create your thoughts. And we can see your thoughts create your brain because the interconnection between these modules is created by our own thinking. But we can actually confirm uh, with neuroscience these ideas. Uh, at that time, I was speculating just based on how it appeared that the human brain worked. Uh, I wrote a program that, based on these pattern recognition principles, I could find patterns in music uh, and then write original music in the same style. So I would feed in Mozart or Chopin, they would write original music that sounded like it was a student of Chopin or, or Mozart. And uh, that's how I got to meet President Johnson. I submitted that to the Westinghouse Science Talent Search and was one of the winners of that. 
And that was kind of the beginning of my career with artificial intelligence. Okay, folks. <laughs> Let's just break this down for a second. Do you see what I saw? Do you see how he just talked about how he has been working on artificial intelligence, mapping the brain, extension of the, the neocortex and such? He's been working on this stuff his entire life since he was a kid. So he's not a prophet when he's predicting the very things that he's working on. And I'm not going to harp on that any longer because right now we're at the point where we've proven it in his own words. We've proven it. He is not a prophet. He's a mad scientist and he's crazy. And shortly we're going to get into what drives him, why he's really doing this, why he wants to biohack humanity put nanobots inside your body so that it fights disease, supposedly, and connect your brain to an AI hive mind through a cloud-based neocortex, and then eventually upload his consciousness into the metaverse in which he will become immortal. I'm not kidding. This is real. This man is the head of engineering at Google. He's real, he has power, he has influence. He is actually shaping society. He is actually disrupting humanity. You talk about disruptors in the technological industry, in the telecom industry, people that come in and completely change the way we do the phone system or the way television worked. He is coming in and disrupting humanity, and they call him the Thomas Edison of our time. Right now, I am going to take a quick break, and when I come back, we are going to jump over quickly to take a look at Yuval Noah Harari, the other prophet. This one being the prophet of the fourth industrial revolution, the prophet of the World Economic Forum. He is a professor, highly influential, has the ear of heads of state, is the right-hand man to Klaus Schwab, who for some reason and somehow has an iron grip on heads of state, CEOs, union leaders, trade association bosses, and everything. Yuval Harari is one of the creepiest people I've ever seen. This guy comes across as like the Woody Allen of the technocracy. Yuval Harari is, is like a Harry Potter character. It's insane. And we're going to show you Yuval Harari before we jump back in to Ray Kurzweil because I need you to see that these are two of the most dangerous thinkers alive today. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard 
Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold, and we are back. We are back. And what I am about to show you folks is a psychopathic madman known as the Prophet. All of these guys in the technocracy look to this man as the Prophet. He speaks at TED Talks. He speaks at the World Economic Forum. He is a professor out of Israel, a complete and total madman. I want you to hear him in his own words because he is one of these guys, similar to Kurzweil, but they tweaked him a little bit, where he acts as if he's warning us of what's to come and the dangers of it. Yet, he's a double talker because he's also involved with helping Klaus Schwab and others develop it. And when you see Yuval Harari, he is going to say things that you just can't believe. Calling us hackable animals. Saying that we have no soul, we have no free will. And yet, this man... is a prophet they call him a prophet let's listen to these three clips and then we will come back and discuss them we are probably one of the last generations of homo sapiens within a century or two earth will be dominated by entities that are more different from us than we are different from Neanderthals or from chimpanzees. Because in the coming generations, we will learn how to engineer bodies and brains and minds. These will be the main products of the economy, of the 21st century economy, not textiles and vehicles and weapons. Hacking and pirating humanity, genetically modifying human beings, that will be the future economy. You heard it yourself from Yuval Harari. Now, let's continue. This will be decided by the people who own the data. Those who control the data control the future, not just of humanity, but the future of life itself. Because today, data is the most important asset in the world. In ancient times, land was the most important asset. And if too much land became concentrated in too few hands, humanity split into aristocrats and commoners. Then in the modern age, in the last two centuries, machinery replaced land as the most important asset. And if too many of the machines became concentrated in too few hands, humanity split into classes, into capitalists and proletariats. Now data is replacing machinery as the most important asset. And if too much of the data becomes concentrated in too few hands, humanity will split not into classes, it will split into species, into different species. Now why is data so important. It's important 
because we've reached the point when we can hack not just computers, we can hack human beings and other organisms. There is a lot of talk these days about hacking computers and email accounts and bank accounts and mobile phones, but actually we are gaining the ability to hack human beings. Now what do you need in order to hack a human being? You need two things. You need a lot of computing power and you need a lot of data, especially biometric data. Not data about what I buy or where I go, but data about what is happening inside my body and inside my brain. Until today, nobody had the necessary computing power and the necessary data to hack you. Right, let me just pause that right there and say this. Do you hear this? Does that not sound like someone speaking in front of a group of Nazis? He's talking about how they have the ability to hack humans. He's talking about how they need all of our biometric data. Did I not warn you in episodes one and two about the dangers of wearing a Fitbit, wearing an iWatch? Think of having Siri and Alexa and, and Google Nest and Amazon Ring all around you, all around your home. Even the iPhones that we carry are constantly measuring data. They have the ability to track our heartbeats, how many steps we take. Just download any app. And when you say, wow, how does that app do that? You have to remember that the hardware in which the software is installed on, the hardware has all of the pieces and the circuitry involved to allow that app to do what it's doing. So if you have an app that measures a distance, that means the camera in that app and the circuitry allows that to occur. We're carrying around, effectively, our own microchips with us, which is our smartphone. And the reason why they're collecting all this data, as I told you, it's not about tracking people individually. But as we, as when you talk about uploading consciousness and you say, these guys are crazy, how are you going to do it? We've been doing it. Every tweet, every direct message, every text message, every phone call, every video, every photo, every thought, everything we say around our phones, everything is being tracked. Our movements are being tracked by all the Amazon Ring doorbells all over the place. All that data is going into a system, and they are developing an AI hive mind, which we will get into in a later episode. But the AI hive mind is the superhuman. It is designed from all the thoughts, all our feelings, all of our expressions, all of our emotions. And that is going to create the AI hive mind in which they want to beam down into your neocortex through these nanorobots that are going to be running through your body, of which not just Kurzweil, but many of these other technologists talk about. So let's move to the next clip. And you need to hear this because it will show you what he thinks about you. So if you made the mistake in that clip of thinking he's somebody who's up there just warning everyone of the dangers of the very technology he's helping create, but warning people because he loves them, wait until you hear what he thinks about you. But control of data might enable human elites to do something even more radical, 
than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. And if indeed we succeed in hacking and engineering life, this will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity, this will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. For four billion years, nothing fundamental changed in the basic rules of the game of life. All of life for four billion years, dinosaurs, amoebas, tomatoes, humans, all of life was subject to the laws of natural selection and to the laws of organic biochemistry. But this is now about to change. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds, the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. And at the same time, science may enable life after being confined to, for four billion years to the limited realm of organic compounds, science may enab enable life to break out into the inorganic realm. So after four billion years of organic life shaped by natural selection, we are entering the era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. Okay, did you hear what he said? Did you hear him? Did you hear him? Because you should be scared. This man, if he does not sound like a God wannabe to you, I don't know what does. He just said that he, there is no God up there that's making decisions up in the clouds. The cloud will be the server clouds where they will upload consciousness. The guy literally just told you that they, him, his people, the elites, the stakeholders, the technocratic oligarchs are going to be the ones who make the decisions on the evolution of humanity that no longer a creator will be doing that. If there is a God, hopefully he or she or whatever has heard this speech because they have someone who is going to challenge their power. And that is Yuval Noah Harari and the rest of his gang. Let's listen to what else he has to say about us damn dirty humans. People are choosing those leaders. Yes. So this is the power of the people, the people's decision. No, but it's, 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 it's a circle. Mm -hmm. You know, ideally, you have people forming up opinions and desires and then voting for a government that represents them. But we know it works both ways. The government has enormous power to shape the opinions and desires of the population. Mm -hmm. And this power only increases today with uh, the new technologies of surveillance, uh, mass surveillance and social media and so forth. So. 
when the government can, sh I mean, the government is not just responsive to the will of the people. It can shape the will of the people. And this really destabilizes the democratic system. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, the media has an enormous role to play in this. That if the government has too much control over the media, then it's not like people are forming their own independent views about what's happening. We now have the power, or at least not we, but some gov governments and corporations for the first time in history have the power to basically hack human beings. There is a lot of talk about hacking computers, hacking smartphones, hacking bank accounts, but the big story of our era is the ability to hack human beings. And by this I mean that if you have enough data and you have enough computing power, you can understand people better than they understand themselves, mm -hmm. and then you can manipulate them in ways which were previously impossible. Mm -hmm. and in such a situation, the old democratic system stopped functioning. We need to reinvent democracy for this new era in which humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election, or whether in the supermarket this is my free will, that's over. We need to come to terms with the fact that, no matter again, it, this is where philosophy meets computer science and biology. Uh, no matter what you think ultimately is the truth of the universe, you have to realize that practically today we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. And this means you need, we need to reinvent democracy we need, we need to reinvent the market. Again, the whole idea of the customer is always right. We just do whatever the customers want. Yes, but you can now hack the customers. You can manipulate the customers to, to want what you tell them to want. So this whole idea that corporations just serve the needs of the customers, this is, this is over. You can't hide behind this explanation anymore. You have no soul. You have no free will. You have no ability to make decisions for yourself, says you all know a Harari. Did you hear him? Did you hear what he said? This all has to be governed. A new system has to be created. You see how the technocrats create the problem, they get you to react, they offer the solution, and on and on and on. They need to be the one to govern this horrible technology in which they've created that are going to make things inequitable. But you have no free will. Did you see the look on his face? You have no free will. You have no soul. You are a hackable animal. And that is the way it's going to be, and we are going to be in charge, and we will create a new democracy. We are the Third Reich. Actually, they're the Fourth Reich. The Fourth Industrial Revolution. And I'm Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and we will be right back. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. 
Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. This is Yuval Noah Harari. You have no soul. You have no free will. You are a hackable animal, and you must get used to that, because we can control you. We are the leaders and the oligarchs of the technocracy. We know what's good for you. We will form a new democracy. We are the leaders of the technate. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. So what I'm going to do now is I am going to show you a series of videos that I collected and put together on Ray Kurzweil. I told you earlier in the show that we were going to discuss why this man is doing this, what his goal is. It's very selfish, to be honest, but it's also very important that we take a look deep inside this man and try to really, really understand him. And I put them in order for you so that you can really get a, it's, it's sort of, um, I put them in a sequence uh, so that it would make sense to you. And what he does is he's going to talk about living longer and he's going to be talking uh, about some really interesting uh, stuff. So let me play this for you right now. People might, you know, when they're 30, say, oh, I don't want to live past 95. But when they're 95, they actually want to live to 96. You know, I want to live, I think, the same reason that I believe everyone else does. Uh, people say, oh, well, death gives meaning to life because it makes life short and therefore it gives meaning to time. Actually, what gives meaning to life is the things we can do with it. Being creative, creating music, art, poetry, having relationships with other people, being loving. We all like to live indefinitely. In fact, research shows that people don't want to take their lives or end their lives unless they're suffering physical or emotional pain. And people think, oh, well, I don't want to live hundreds of years because they think of themselves living as what we today think of as a hundred-year-old living for a few hundred more years and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being able to overcome disease and aging and aging really is a disease-like process. Now he sounds very reasonable, right? We just want to overcome disease and aging. Well, that's part of the adoption campaign. That's how they sell it to you. How are you going to speak out against and fight against a technology that cures disease? and fights against aging. No one wants to age, hence plastic surgery and the gym. But this guy is trying to make it sound like it's all about love. Why would I want to live forever? Because I love people and I love creating things. A very profound transformation over the next 10, 15 years. Health and medicine has become an information technology. Health and medicine didn't used to be an information technology. The Genome Project gave us the software of life, and biology is a, an information process, and we're now actually able to reprogram this outdated software. We're already smarter than we used to be because of the technology we carry around on, on our belts, but it's going to go inside our body.
bodies and brains, keeping us healthy, making us smarter. Uh, we're going to be more creative, better able to express loving sentiments. And now, if you hear what he said, he said the smartphone that you carry around in your pocket makes you smarter. Listen, I can look stuff up on my phone. It is my brain that's able to process that information. Certain information I can't. My brain isn't wired that way. I'd love to do an IQ test before the smartphone and after the smartphone, and that would be able to challenge and defeat him on the case he's trying to make. The smartphone does not make you smarter. In fact, it actually makes you dumber. Now, what we need to look at next is this video, which I call Hacking Genetics. Let's take a look. We can't rely on being natural. That's not good enough. If we just rely on our genes, uh, we wouldn't live very long. It was not in the interest of our species when our genes evolved thousands of years ago for people to live that long. It really was in the interest of the species for people to live to their 20s, basically to raise their kids. And your kid was 12 and you were 25 and then your kids went off and started their own families. And then you're just using up the precious resources and food of the tribe. Now, I'm not saying I want to die at 25 years old because, well, I must be living in augmented reality inside of the metaverse right now because I'm 40. But... What he's saying, it wasn't in the interest of humans to live past that certain age. Well, now, what makes it in the interest of humans to do that, other than people like him who want to play God and live forever? And life expectancy was 23 a thousand years ago. It was 37 in 1800. So we really need to divert from what is natural uh, in order to stay healthy. We have to divert from what is natural in order to stay healthy so he's saying other than your natural body staying healthy we need to divert from that into technology so technology is going to make you healthy this man also wants to put nanorobots in your bloodstream and connect your brain to a cloud-based neocortex uh, evolution is not on our side once we get into our 30s and 40s and these various aging processes and disease processes pick up steam and are themselves exponential. So we need to reprogram our biochemistry, and I do that with supplements, some... Right, so he has to reprogram his biochemistry. Now, in the beginning here, he's going to get into this a little bit. Medications, uh, for example, a medication metformin appears to be a caloric restriction mimetic. It produces the same changes in the body as eating less. Uh, the same thing with resveratrol, which is a natural supplement found in wine. So there's a different story with each supplement. I take about 150 a day, and it's a long, complicated story, which is why we wrote a whole book about all the different things you can do to slow down or even stop, or in, in some cases reverse, aging and disease processes. Okay, so he's talking about slowing down the aging process, which look, a lot of us, we go to the gym, we try to eat healthy, we try not to abuse alcohol and drugs to excessive amounts. Of course, a lot of people take pride in that. They want to stay healthy. They want to look good. Uh, but, but that sounds normal. Now, we're going to progress a little further into the mind of Ray Kurzweil, and you're going to see that he's a little more extreme than that. He's not just a guy in his 60s and 70s. And remember, these interviews, these videos are over the course of the last 15 years. Okay, 
So he's been talking about this for a long time. Now, let's listen to the next one. The goal really is to stay healthy long enough to get to the point where we have these future technologies. He says the goal is to stay alive long enough until we get to the future technologies, the technologies that he's helping develop. We talk about three bridges to radical life extension. Bridge two is biotechnology, reprogramming the information underlying our biology. Bridge three is nanotechnology going beyond biology. Bridge one is what we can do right now. And a major part of that is nutrition because what we take inside of our bodies has a profound effect on our health. It's uh, actually a pretty moderate program. It's not eat low carb or low fat. It's actually eat healthy carbs like fruits and vegetables. Uh, and avoid unhealthy carbs like sugar and starches, eat healthy fats like omega-3 fats found in fish or monounsaturated fat found in nuts, uh, avoid unhealthy fats like saturated fat found in meat. We need to actually augment uh, our food with certain supplements, even medications. There's one medication, which is an old diabetes drug called metformin, that actually appears to have uh, anti-aging uh, benefits. So there are certain things that actually can make us healthier that uh, go beyond food. And people say, well, you take these supplements and pills and you, you think that's going to enable you to live hundreds of years. No, the goal of w what I'm doing now, which we call Bridge One, is just to get to Bridge Two, which is only 10, 15, at most 20 years away, which is the full maturation of the biotechnology revolution where we can really reprogram our biology away from disease and away from aging. And that'll be a bridge to bridge three, which is the nanotechnology revolution. For example, nanorobots in your bloodstream that augment your immune system and can destroy virtually all disease. Okay, so what, what, what I wanted to say quick is that if you listen to what he said, there's multiple parts. So he's eating healthy and taking supplements and pills now to try to stay alive another 10 years so he can get to the point where his biological technology can then fight diseases in his body to keep him alive long enough for the next 10 years to the point where he can put nanorobots inside his body and live forever. We're going to see a little more of this, but for some reason, I don't know why this guy reminds me of Woody Allen. What did you have for breakfast? Today? Yeah, this is going to be a, a deep probing interview, and I want to know what exactly you had for breakfast. Uh, a large OJ, which I made myself, an orange juice, eight ounces. Uh, yeah. Uh, some uh, vitamin C, vitamin E, a Theragran multivitamin, um, some roast pork fuyang on a bed of lettuce, um, and I had some really? white bread that I soak in warm water all the time because I like it. It's easier to chew. And, um, <laughs> I had an English muffin ladled with honey and myrrh on it, and, um, I, it's and I had some hot cocoa and some rum, and you baste it uh, on the edges, and then I had some more Italian food and some linguine, and yes, to get the day off to a nice light start. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, did they carry you here uh, as a result of this? Or? You know, I know. I really know that you are concerned about your diet and all. I mean, I'm a health remember you once addict. bought a book on uh, on cholesterol. Uh, we were wandering on, uh, on an avenue in Hollywood once, and bought a, a book on cholesterol. Do you do you count your cholesterol? Do you worry about the pork foo young? Uh, I do. I worry about uh, dying uh, from something, from anything, but cholesterol. I would not like yeah. to die. I don't want to die uh, from a heart attack. 
You see that? It's unbelievable. It's almost as if Woody Allen was doing a parody of Ray Kurzweil on uh, Saturday Night Live when it used to be good, talking about his health and being so afraid of death. And this sketch goes on and on and on. I just thought it was hilarious. I happened to stumble upon it, and I said, God, this is almost like watching Ray Kurzweil sitting there talking about food and his fear of death. But I need to go on. Um, what I need you to see now uh, and for the video uh, audience at pain.tv uh, behind the paywall, you're going to see this video for you guys on audio only. You can look it up. Uh, Ray Kurzweil, look for something on anti-aging. And you're going to see that Ray Kurzweil actually gets, uh, well, I want you to see the look on the interviewer's face when we get to this point. You talk about complete and in total insanity and the thirst for immortality. This man is crazy. Watch. How much do you fiddle with the mix, adjust the cocktail? Well, I'm constantly testing myself, so I'm not flying without an instrument panel, uh, and look at actually many dozens of different indicators, hormone levels and nutrient levels, and, and the usual things like cholesterol and C-reactive protein, and keeping things in what I consider to be optimal ranges, uh, but actually don't change it that much. One of the challenges is to deliver substances uh, into the cells. First, they have to make it through the gastrointestinal tract and survive into the bloodstream, and then they have to get from the bloodstream to the actual cells. Uh, and there's been advances in packaging uh, these supplements, so they actually survive that voyage. And you, so now I can take smaller numbers of pills and get a, a bigger impact. Give just one example so people understand some technology you're using by taking supplements. It's not being typically used by people who say take statins. If people are taking statins, they should take coenzyme Q10 because what many doctors won't tell you is that statin drugs deplete the body of coenzyme Q10. That's responsible for most of the side effects, but you can actually counter that by just supplementing with coenzyme Q10. And most people don't know that. It's a very simple thing. Uh, aging is not one process. There's many different things going on that cause us to age. Uh, there are, I have a program that at least slows down each of these different processes. When you're very young, you have a large amount of a certain substance in your cell membrane of every one of your 10 trillion cells. It's called phosphatidylcholine. Uh, the body actually makes that substance, but doesn't keep up with the depletion. So by the time you're 90 years old, the level of phosphatidylcholine you have will be less than 10% of what you had as a child. That substance is responsible for making the cell uh, pliable, letting nutrients in, letting toxins out, keeping the cell supple. Uh, the depletion of that substance, phosphatidylcholine, is responsible for the skin in elderly people being uh, lacking suppleness and uh, not being soft, uh, and the organs not working as well. So that is one of the aging processes. You can reverse that by supplementing with that substance. And if you really want to do it properly, you would take it intravenously, which I do, uh, to get it right into the bloodstream uh, where it can be delivered to the cells. So you're getting shots of this? It's a IV. I go to a health clinic and I get a number of IVs of things that are hard, difficult to deliver through the GI tract. 
But you can do a fairly good job by taking that orally. Did you see the look on the interviewer's face when he said that he takes the shots intravenously? The guy looked like he was going to have a heart attack. This guy is crazy. I mean, what what else would this man do to try to uh, reach his goal of getting past 10 years at that time to get to the next level where they could biohack his system to fight disease in another 10 years where he could become immortal? This guy is crazy. He's a complete and total lunatic. And yet he is the chief engineer at Google and he has been highly instrumental in the last several decades at building the technocracy, building the prison planet, and disrupting our lives, disrupting humanity itself. Ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, I'm going to show you a final video and wrap up this episode of the Dustin Gold Standard. I'm Dustin Gold. I'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. All right, folks, we are back. We are back. Over the break, I uploaded my subconscious to the cloud, and I am only an AI projection of myself. I'm Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard right here, folks. We had seen Ray Kurzweil, this mad scientist, talking about all the pills and the IV injections that he takes in order to make himself young again and defeat aging, overcome the aging process so that he could get to the point of uploading his brain into the AI hive mind neocortex. The one thing that apparently his anti-aging drugs does not do is keep his hair a natural color because he uses hair dye and it looks horrible. Also, for the audio-only audience, he looks like Woody Allen and he wears about five rings, gold rings, on his fingers. Who the heck knows what those are? Maybe they're designed to stop his arthritis because the man is clearly old and crippled. I'm going to show you this final video to wrap up this episode with uh, Ray Kurzweil and uh, as you saw a little bit of Yuval Noah Harari. When I come back from this video, we're going to close this out with my final thoughts, which will lead us into the next set of episodes we will be putting together. Let's take a look at Ray Kurzweil talking about this virtual reality body. I'm Ray Kurzweil, I'm an inventor, author, and futurist, and I invite you to join me at Global Future 2045, which will be a fabulous Congress to explore uh, the brilliant future ahead. Well, we're gonna become increasingly non-biological to the point where the non-biological part predominates and the biological part is not that important anymore. In fact, the non-biological part, the machine part, will be so powerful it can completely model and understand the biological part. So even if that biological part went away, it wouldn't make any difference because the, the non-biological part already understood it completely. We'll also have non-biological bodies. We can create bodies with nanotechnology. We can create virtual bodies and virtual reality. That The virtual reality will be as realistic as real reality. The virtual bodies will be as detailed and convincing as real bodies 
um, we'll have different we'll have different ways we can create bodies. We do need a body. Our intelligence is directed towards a body, but it doesn't have to be this frail biological body that's subject to all kinds of failure modes. Folks, do you hear what he's saying? He's actually talking about what we come to call today the metaverse. Basically, this augmented or virtual reality, 3D immersive uh, second life video game that we go inside. I told you they want to lock you in a 400 square foot pod where you sit in a chair with goggles on your head and you enter this metaverse. And then when you're doing activities inside, your body is actually generating energy that's captured into a battery, and they're going to use the battery to power the AI. Remember a little while ago, we saw Yuval Harari talk about the amount of energy they're gonna need to power this system, and also the ability to uh, store all of the data needed to drive the AI hive mind, which by the way, there's a technology out there where they're taking human DNA and using that to create hard drives because DNA stores multiple times more data than anything else on the planet. They're actually working on this. So humans will become batteries and become data drives to power the AI and to store the big data. Listen to this madman because he has been building this for the most powerful people on earth. Remember, the CIA wants to lead in artificial intelligence. Kurzweil is highly connected to MIT, which had lots of CIA connections. All of the people involved with this, Eric Schmidt, who was the head of Google, the CEO of Google, overlapped when Kurzweil was there, went and worked for the Department of Defense, went and worked for Donald Trump on the Commission on Artificial Intelligence. They are building this. It is real. Well, I think we'll have a choice of bodies. We'll certainly be routinely changing uh, our apparent body in virtual reality. So today you can have a different body in something like Second Life, but it's just a picture on the screen. Although uh, research has shown that people actually uh, begin to subjectively identify with their avatar. Uh, but in the future, it's not going to be a little picture in a virtual environment you're looking at. It'll feel like this is your body and you're in that environment and that your body is, is, some, is, is, a, is the virtual body and it can be as realistic as real reality. And the environment can be as realistic as real reality. And so we'll, we'll be routinely able to change our bodies very quickly, as well as our environments, in virtual reality. But it will feel very real. We'll ultimately be able to do that with real reality, too, like self-organizing swarms of nanobots that can link themselves up into a virtual body. If we had radical life extension only, uh, we would get profoundly bored. We'd have a profound existential ennui, uh, running out of things to do and new ideas. Uh, but that's not what's going to happen. Uh, in addition to radical life extension, we're going to have radical life expansion. We're going to have millions of virtual environments to explore. We're going to ex literally expand our brains. Right now, we only have 300 million pattern recognizers organized in a grand hierarchy that we create ourselves in our neocortex. But we can make that 300 billion or 300 trillion. We can expand it. Uh, the last time we expanded it with the frontal cortex, we created language and art and science. Just think of the qualitative leaps that we can't even imagine today when we expand our neocortex again. 
will be thinking grander, deeper, more hierarchical thoughts than ever before, uh, creating whole new institutions like art and science that, that we could not articulate. Uh, so we're not going to get bored. If, if that weren't the case, then I think, you know, living for hundreds, thousands of years would, would be a profound uh, philosophical uh, nightmare. But uh, instead, we're headed for radical life expansion. Okay, folks. So you've heard Ray Kurzweil and you've heard Yuval Noah Harari. You see exactly what we are dealing with here. We are dealing with God wannabe psychopaths. But as I told you over the last two episodes, these people are not gods. They are merely hackers. They are pirates. They are thieves. They are criminals. They are scammers, schemers, grifters, and gutter trash. If these people were actual gods like they want to be, they would not need to hack humans. They would not need to put nanobots in our bodies. They would not need to genetically modify fruits and vegetables. They would not need to geoengineer the air that we breathe. These people are hackers. That's why they call us hackable animals. They want to play God. They develop CRISPR-Cas9 to genetically modify humanity. They talk about injecting things in our bodies, of which sadly some people may already have these things in them. This is what we are up against. As I've talked about, and a running theme of mine is that we have to learn, we the people on the Ebuchadnezzar, here in the matrix that want to live a natural life are going to have to figure out how to live one foot in and one foot out. But first, we have to actually understand what they are building and the technologies that they have and are actually developing now so that we can figure out how we are going to protect ourselves from those technologies as much as humanly possible. I said earlier in the show that I would leave you with a final note. I am not advocating for a revolution or a resistance in any violent way. I do not want to be thrown off of any of the podcast platforms nor any of the social media platforms. But I will say this because I need to, because I told you I would always tell you the truth. Since we are acting as our own futurists, just as today we need to be our own doctors, our own lawyers, our own advocates in almost everything we do. We have to become our own teachers to our children. We have to become our own daycare. We have to do everything. We have to become our own farmer. We have to become our own food supplier. Because we cannot trust the system any longer. But as I said, we have to become our own futurist. We listen to their words, we study their technology, and we try to predict what they're going to do so that we can build a life around them. At the end of the day, their technology is nothing more. And the prison planet that the technological oligarchs are building, these technocrats, these people who think they are so powerful, they're going to genetically modify humanity. They're going to geoengineer our planet. They're going to upload a software into every living natural thing on Earth. But here's the thing. 
As Elon Musk is launching satellites into space, building what is called Starlink, I believe that Starlink, which we will do a deep dive into, is going to be what powers and connects all of the Internet of Things that are connected now through sort of decentralized, broken up forms of Internet and the Internet of Bodies that Bill Gates and others have talked about for years, which is actually connecting humans to the cloud, of which Kurzweil explains in further depth. At the end of the day, these technologists rely on one thing, technology. Everything they're building, and even if they put nanobots into humans and try to connect them up to the cloud, try to connect their brain to the cloud-based neocortex, their entire system is a paper tiger. It operates on the internet. Without the satellites in space, their entire system collapses. Now, how would you reach satellites? You really can't. But the satellites are merely transmitters that beam down eventually to the ground and are collected by receivers. Their whole system, the entire prison planet, is one giant paper tiger. It operates on the internet. In my home, I could have all the technology I want. This camera that is videoing me, this microphone that is recording my voice, my three monitors hooked up to my desktop that are programmed to create this entire show, to run my software, my lights that are behind me and in front of me to make me look decent on camera, my laptop, my iPad, my phone. Without the internet, without power, it all goes down. The entire technological system I've designed around me operates on electricity and on internet. And so does their system. So these people who believe that they are gods, that they will biohack humanity and control all natural life, are nothing more, as I've said multiple times, than hackers, pirates, thieves, and criminals. And what they are selling you, this idea that their system is inevitable, this idea that they are going to be the controllers and they are going to give you this AI to make your life better. That's where they are the schemers, the scammers, the con men, the grifters. But as far as hacking our creator's creation, they are just hackers. And without internet, hackers can't break into computers and they can't break into life. For all of humanity, I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world, built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion... at pain.tv slash gold.